Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the one and only show. Uh, welcome to episode number 49. Can you believe it? Still going strong, baby. I like for you to brace yourselves because this next guest is one of the kind. Actually, the next two episodes are just going to be epic now i like to apologize for the conversations that i had before and they were not that interesting well let me tell you to me this next two conversations were awesome and i think they were pretty interesting to me and hopefully you think the same way so i apologize on the last conversations that you were like ah this conversation is boring and you found no interest in it but Either way, thank you very much for tuning in and supporting me out there. All you listeners, it means everything to me that you tune in every week so that you can listen to the things I say out there and the people I interview. Just thank you for the support, my friends. Ah, man. But let's get on with the show, shall we? Please join me in the welcoming a true powerhouse. A former strength coach whose passion for lifting is only rivaled by his diverse interest. When he's not sculpting strength, you'll find him cultivating gardens, crafting wood, exploring coin collection, and venturing into the galaxies of Star Wars. Having mowed numerous athletes. Ah, embrace yourselves, guys. All you Chiefs fans out there, you guys gonna like this one because this man has worked with Tershawn Wharton, who recently was at S&T these past years. I don't know exactly when, but he is a defensive tackle. But we're not gonna talk about him because he's part of the Chiefs now. Go Broncos, by the way. We're just gonna have a conversation with this strengthening coach that is a beast but like i said he uh he's working uh many colleges out there he been uh arizona i believe texas and ended up in dirty old missouri he decided to shift gears embracing family time and a new role as a ups delivery driver here and now he's just pretty much focusing on himself listen to this awesome conversation because it's gonna blow your mind it's been a while since I have done a two-hour podcast here, but it's definitely, it was a really good conversation that I'm hoping to bring this individual back to the pod so that we can continue the conversations because I still got so many questions. And before I introduce David, just want to give him a big shout out for taking the time and meeting up with me and having this conversation. Let's continue on having more conversations. Thank you all for tuning in this week and we'll see you next time so here it is let's give a warm welcome to the one and only david adamson 
have been uh, trying to get this figured out, but we just can't get together. But finally, we did it. How you been? Been doing good. That's good. Um, t- tell me about what what you're doing on YouTube. What 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 you got going on? What uh, what are you trying to get to the people? Like, what are you trying to what message you trying to send out there, man? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, so came up with the idea a while back, probably well over a year ago, year and a half ago, and I don't even know what I was thinking. I was just thinking. I always liked when I was coaching the education process as well. So I liked educating other coaches. I was writing articles for Elite FTS. Um, I did a newsletter on my own for a while. And so I always enjoyed that. Well, I got to this point where I was I was thinking a lot about strength training and, and information that I have and and you know it was it was probably the major part of my life for a long time so i want i still felt like i could put information out even though i'm not coaching anymore that i could put information out that would help other lifters it would help coaches it would help coaches that maybe they've been in the field for a long time or maybe they're just starting out and they don't get all the politics of the college coaching realm so um that's what I was, that was the whole goal is just to put information out and to help educate coaches, help educate lifters and how to make either the training for their athletes better or, or their own training better if they're a lifter. Uh, and I also had the idea of helping people that, and most of my stuff hasn't been geared to that so far, but helping those that, uh, you know, they just want to stay in shape or they want to, uh, get stronger. They're not necessarily looking to compete, but they want to, they like lifting. Um, so uh, that was also part of the goal, but like I said, most of my stuff so far is geared to those that are probably more serious. Uh, but hopefully, I'll get some stuff out there soon that kind of pertain to to everyone. You know, take us back to the beginning. What what made you get into this? That are like, have you your your dad was a as far as getting into coaching or, or something? Or, no. no, no, like from the beginning. So, oh, from the beginning. Yeah, like way back, way back. When was the first time you got introduced into the gym and you were like, oh, man, <laughs> this is my thing. I want to do this. Um, so, I mean, I seventh and eighth grade normally, at least my school, had like a two-week, one or two-week go in and lift weights. We'll teach you. They don't teach you much, but for yeah. back then, like, yeah. and I, I was interested in it. I liked it. But never really had any guidance as far as here's a program. You're going to be consistent. You're going to do this. Um, between my seventh or between my eighth grade year and my ninth grade year, going into high school, I we had summer lifting for football, and I went in and my first day I just got destroyed. I mean, it was and it wasn't that complicated of a workout. It was just. I went in with the varsity. I wasn't supposed to. I didn't realize what day I was supposed to be there. I showed up on the wrong day. Damn. And <laughs> I lifted. And I was in pain. Like, I, my body hurt. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And, right. I mean, I was scrawny. I was, a hundred, like, 100 pounds and about the same height I am now. I'm at, like, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, weighing yeah. 100 pounds. S- smallest guy on the football team, easily. And... Weakest guy as well, and I just loved it. I mean, I, and I never really looked back from then. Even in high school, I was I was going to the library and trying to find information. When I was back in the nineties, it 
wasn't easy. Like you can't just flip a switch like you can now and look stuff up on the internet. So, but I was trying to find information, find books, whatever I could find. And it just kept going and went to college actually as an architecture major. Um, out at, when it was Drury college before it became Drury university and did that for a year and a half and, and discovered that that strength and conditioning was a thing discovered that powerlifting was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing either. Right. And so um, ended up discovering that while I'm studying architecture, realized I was spending more time lifting and learning how to lift than I was in my architecture projects. Um, so ended up changing majors, and it, it just went from there. When you first step in with the varsity, <laughs> then like, and like, because I mean, I'm sure high school kids varsity they they work out hard man they go hard what what do you think you did wrong as far as saying like <laughs> it says something because you were lifting too heavy or you were not accustomed to those type of lifts i wasn't accustomed to lifting at all okay so it was i mean like literally the very, very first time my total lifting experience probably before high school before i started showed up that day was probably like three or four weeks total in my life And it was just like a couple of weeks in seventh grade, a week or two in eighth grade, uh, maybe some lifting with my neighbor with those old plastic weights that we used to have. Yeah. Like here, like a workout one month and then two months later, we got another workout in. Like it was just playing around. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't anything that it was just that typical seventh, eighth grade approach. You don't really have the guidance. You don't really have the leadership. You don't know what you're doing. You're just playing around. Yeah. You don't realize how much information is out there that you can learn from and, and and develop from. So I don't know that I did anything wrong. It was just part of that was just part of my learning experience, you know. From the knowledge that you have, do you think that lifting heavy helps you build more muscle or lifting the right way? It's what builds the muscle up. I That's kind of a complicated question because lifting heavy alone, like if you're just lifting like heavy, heavy, like heavy sets of three, heavy singles, uh, you're probably not going to put on very much muscle mass, um, very little. And that's that's where everyone's like, I, I don't want to lift heavy because I don't want to bulk up. Well, if you're lifting maximal weights, you're not causing enough muscle damage, essentially, to warrant the muscle building back bigger. Okay. Okay. So now lifting the right way, proper technique, control, that's always important. Right. But when you're trying to get bigger, and that's actually what my next YouTube episode is going to be about is actually hypertrophy and what you need to do to get bigger. Um, if you're really trying to put on muscle mass, then you need to lift, I would say anywhere from six to like 15 reps per set. Good technique, full range of motion, and those sets need to be very fatiguing. Like they should exhaust you. Um, like to the point where you're struggling. I don't like to go to failure per se, okay. but you can sometimes. But failure tends to be very hard on the body and it'll, it'll over time it's going to halt your progress. But you need to be close to failure. So if you're doing sets of 10 and you're trying to build muscle mass, You should be lifting a weight that you can only lift for like 
11 or maybe 12 reps, but only do it for 10. And then short rest, maybe 60 seconds, a minute and a half at absolute most, and then go again. You may not be able to get 10 on that same weight again. You may only get nine. That's okay. And then do it again, three, four, five sets, and then move on to the next exercise. So because muscle to cause hypertrophy, you have to cause maximal protein degradation. That means you're going to break the muscle down. Okay. As it recovers, it's going to recover back bigger. Okay. It's going to, that healing process is going to help, is going to cause the muscle tissue to actually become bigger as it heals. And that's where your hypertrophy comes from. Okay. And that's what you want. You want, you want to break that muscle so it can be rebuilt again. Yes. Okay. But you don't want to, like I said, you don't always want to train to failure. You don't always want to take it to the absolute limit, but you need to be close. If you always take it to the limit, you're causing um, too much stress on your body. And over time, like if you do that all the time, and some guys do try to do that, you're going to limit how far you can go because your body's going to say, I can't constantly recover from this. So you always want to leave a little bit in the tank. Huh. So. Okay. Uh Tell me about tell me about creatine. Like, is that something that people need to take all the time? Is that like something that you know? It's probably, and I don't. What 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 are the effects of taking creatine before a workout? Uh, you'll probably be able to do a little bit more. So the way that, and I don't get into all the supplements. Not that I'm against them, and I use some. But I don't study them very hard. I study training harder. But creatine is one of the most studied supplements there is. I mean, it's been studied over and over and over. So the way that my professors explained it to me when I was in school is that, you know, if you could normally get 10 reps with a weight, let's say you could do 100 pounds for 10 reps in a given exercise, if you take creatine over and over and over, not just for a week, but like continuously, you might be able to get 11 or 12. Well, that's that much more... Um, work or load that we puts on our muscles. Yeah. Therefore, we can get that much more out of it. They become that much more big, that much bigger. So, um, so you don't you, you don't recommend taking it. I think it's fine. I take okay. it. I mean, and and there's there's a lot because there's there's even information showing that it increases endurance. So like endurance athletes could get some out of it. The downside is it causes water retention. So some athletes have uh problems with cramping when they take it a lot i've never experienced that um i had a guy i worked with oh years ago and he said that he put he started taking it and he just blew up like put on like 40 pounds or something so he quit taking it i definitely have never experienced that i worked with a sprinter who said the same thing um this is a world-class sprinter he placed uh fourth in the 2008 olympics in the in the 100 meters so that was that was when usain bolt like became usain bolt yeah okay when he ran that 959 or whatever and uh sharandy martina actually placed fourth in that same race and he was he was a really good sprinter well i worked with him and he said the same thing about it that he put on so much weight that he couldn't take it because as a sprinter you don't a lot of sprinters are pretty muscular 100-meter sprinters, yeah, but they're not big. 
put them next to a lifter and you'll see how small they are. They're just super lean. I mean, they are muscular, but um, if they have to carry a lot of weight down the track, it's going to slow them down. So he was putting too much weight on. He said he couldn't take it because it was just too much weight for him to run with. So if you're just a casual gym lifter and you want to see some muscle gain, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I wouldn't recommend against it. And then creatine, they have a bunch of type of, I don't know, creatines out there. So, like, is there a certain one that people should take? Or, um, you know what? I buy, I get on GNC, on their website, and I buy their brand. I forget what it's called, but it's it's GNC like Pro Performance or something like that. Um, I get unflavored and I mix it in with my Gatorade, and I drink it throughout the workout. I can't stand Gatorade, man. It's got too much sugar in it. <laughs> uh, you could do it with the like the Gatorade Zero too. I got you. That way, there's it's not quite as sweet. But so you're you're telling me anybody out there can, well, let's say scrawny, let's say you get a West Horn out there, <laughs> <laughs> and that man I don't know lifts heavy, do all the you know good workouts, take the good supplements, he can get bigger than all of us combined between me and you there's a genetic component to it too (laughs) (laughs) okay 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 i wanted to make that clear too because there's a lot of people out there yeah i mean because i also have a friend a buddy of mine uh jake he wants to you know get stronger but also i mean he's man he's skinnier man that man can eat anything and not Mm -hmm. gain a damn pound which people like that pisses me off and um I don't know. I I can see him like when I say when people say I want to get stronger, it means I want to build bigger muscles. Um, <clears throat> that's yeah. I think I think a lot of people kind of think that same way. That, but when you're in the field and you're practicing it, there's a difference. I just watched a guy I worked for when I was starting out coaching. I I don't know why it came up. He apparently he puts out YouTube videos, and. uh He's 57, 58 years old, weighs about 150 pounds. And I just watched him deadlift 500 and something. What I forget the what. Hell? And like, I don't even know why it showed up. I haven't talked to this guy in like seven or eight years. And it just all of a sudden came across my YouTube channel. Um, and so if you saw him, I mean, he's scrawny and he's 57 years old and he's deadlifting over 500. Um, so there's the, one of the components of maximal strength is that your nervous system has to fire very fast. Well, you don't have to be big for your nervous system to fire fast. Okay. So there, there's a good amount of lifters out there that when you look at them, they don't look, not that they look scrawny or this guy I'm talking about, he does look scrawny. If you saw the video, you'd be like, he doesn't even look like he can lift weights but he's deadlifting over 500 pounds. Um, but there's a good handful of lifters that were really good lifters that just aren't that big because their nervous system is so efficient at producing the movements that they're trying to produce. Their technique is good. Uh, their, their, their nerves, which is their nervous system, fire very fast. So that allows them to lift the weights um, more efficiently. When you look at weightlifters compared to powerlifters, weightlifters like in the Olympics, like um, they do the clean and jerk and the snatch, mm-hmm. compared to powerlifters who squat, bench, and deadlift, the weightlifters 
really aren't that big compared to the powerlifters. And it's because of how they train. So they're not necessarily training to get big. All their movements are fast and explosive. Okay. And they'll train to get very strong. They'll train to be very explosive, but they're not doing a ton of volume, like high rep sets to actually put the muscle mass on. So there's a difference between the two. Even if you look at bodybuilders, you know, the big Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. uh, Ronnie Coleman, um, Tom Platts, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Robert like those big, guys that are just big, yeah. big shredded muscles. Um, when you really look at how much they're lifting compared to power lifters of the same size or even smaller, they're really not that strong because they lift all high rep sets or mostly high rep sets. Um, just taking the muscle to failure or close to failure versus a power lifter who's lifting heavy maximal weights and not so much. And they'll emphasize size too and getting bigger. But uh, for them, it's more about how much weight they're lifting, not about how, how, um, how big they are. So you curtail what you're doing in the gym to what you, the results that you want. Right. Um, I just started going to the gym and I'm working on my third week as we speak. And, you know, I haven't lived for about six years. Mm-hmm. And I remember back six years ago when I wanted to lift again. I thought, I don't, for some reason, I thought I could do whatever I was doing back in high school. You know, lifting big, lifting heavy. <laughs> and I I attempted to do that. I mean, I did the reps all right. But the next day, it's like I put my body in shock. And everything was in pain. And so, this go around. You know, my first week, you know, I start kind of easing myself in there, trying to get my heart rate up, trying to lift. I was lifting. It was a little bit of embarrassing because I was lifting 10 pounds, 15 pounds, and, you know, try to <laughs> try to get the motions right, try to get everything, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where I can, I'm able to lift. And I just got to find the right weight where I can gain muscle and still have control over the weights yeah that way i'm not all over the place and get hurt uh, my question that you were talking about pirate cleans how like for an old guy like me and i'm only 30 man you probably older than me <laughs> like a guy like me can can people still do pirate cleans and you know be explosive with the weights uh yeah i wouldn't generally recommend the older you get, I mean, 30, you're not even old. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> um, the older you get, I'd say the less, if you haven't been lifting, the less you should, you may want to, but the less emphasis you should be putting on doing cleans or snatches or jerks. Um, those exercises have a very high technical component. And which with that, increases the ability or the chance for things to go wrong. So now when I was coaching at UTEP, my boss there, he was 50 years old. Maybe he just went over 50, but he did snatches and cleans regularly, but he'd been doing them since probably he was a teenager. Yeah. So, and he, he was, when he was competing, he was competing at a very high level in weightlifting. Um, so he wasn't lifting anywhere near the amount that he was lifting when he was competing. 
like nowhere even close. So, but having done it for so many years, he could continue to do the movements. He could continue to be fast and explosive. And he had a very good understanding of technique. So, um, and how to control his body to get the technique that he wanted. So for, in that instance, doing those movements is probably okay. But for someone that's trying to pick it back up after being out of it for 10 years, 15 years, I generally speaking would not recommend it. At at what point should I start lifting heavy? I would give it several weeks, like 10 plus weeks. Oh shit. Just, am I that old? Uh, (laughs) I would do that for anyone. So like if I started lifting or coaching a high schooler, let's say a freshman in high school, I wouldn't do it the way that I was coached in high school. They would go for two years of just general strength training before we really ever started getting heavy. Like, I mean, sets of, we might get into some sets of five that are fairly heavy, but really not, not push them on it. Cause I want them to establish correct technique and make it correct technique every single time they lift. And that takes a while to develop. Now you're older, you've got a, you're probably more mature than a high schooler. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I <am. laughs> um, and you've had some background lifting, so you could probably get there a lot sooner, but I'm really big into, into developing the body prior to taking it to the limits, you know? So, I mean, you can get up to it, but I'd, I'd give it 10 weeks at least of just making sure you're in shape, um, reconditioning the muscles, re relearning the movements, making sure you're doing everything right. And then you can start kind of testing those waters a little bit. Okay, so don't get too excited right now, right? No. Be consistent. Make sure you're going. How many times a week are you going? Uh, Pretty much every day. Okay, so be consistent. Have your schedule. Follow it. Generally, gradually add to what you're doing. So let's say, I'm just making this up, but let's say you're going in right now. 45 minutes, and you can walk out. And... 10 weeks, you should be able to go for an hour 15. That's not, I mean, just increase it gradually to where you're an hour 15. You can get a really good workout in an hour 15. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, I wouldn't recommend too much over that. Actually, for most people, they can get solid work done in an hour and 15 minutes. Gradually work up to that. Just take your time, you know, make sure you're doing everything correct. Get your technique down. I don't even care if it's a bicep curl. Make sure you're doing it right every single time. Don't cut corners. And then gradually increase the weight over those 10 weeks. You know, and over the course of, you can do the same reps for the first few weeks. You know, let's say you're doing sets of 10. Just do sets of 10 for the first three weeks on everything. Maybe 15, even 15 reps per set. And then gradually start adding the weight. Even if you're doing the same reps, gradually start adding the weight and then start cutting the reps down. And then in 10 weeks, you're probably ready to start kind of pushing yourself um, with more weight or, or really pushing the volume or whatever it is that you want to do. So I was at, you know, like I said earlier, I was at 10, 15 pounds. This is my third week. I'm doing like 20 pounds to 30 pounds. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I'm. Right now, I'm having touched any of like the 
the bench press. Mm-hmm. I've only done like uh, dumbbells, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, curls, but I have not touched like any any of the of the free weights as in like bar that comes with a bar. So you're mainly doing like dumbbell stuff. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, for now, for now, man. Just I'm because like I said, man, I'm really trying to work on my motion, making right. sure I'm doing it right. Yeah, and that's going to be most important, but I wouldn't be afraid to to jump back into a bench. Bench is pretty uh, fairly foolproof. I mean, I get big into technique, and I'll coach people on it and making sure they're hitting all the joint angles correctly and and having their shoulder blades in the right position and tucking their elbows and all that. Um, Bracing their abs, even when you bench, is important. Um, But for the most part, you can get away with quite a bit with bench. Like, I wouldn't be afraid to put it in there. And just start working. I mean, first workout, you haven't lifted in a while. Maybe it's going to be the bar. Then maybe put a dime on each side. Then maybe a quarter on each side. Like, I mean, who cares, really? I mean, like, just get back into moving correctly. You know, get yourself exercising again, really. And and to be honest, I've never worked with someone that most of the people that I worked with were 25 or below in age. Dang. Like probably eighteen to twenty-five yeah. is probably ninety-five percent or more of the people that I've worked with. Um, the one exception, I did have a military guy, but he came in in shape. You know, he came back to college after being in the military. I think he was like thirty years old. And he was very. When I was coaching him, we were very close to the same age. Um, but he was he wasn't someone that was trying to rebuild. Like he had been active since high school and yeah. even in the military. I mean, he, he stayed very active and then he came back in, tried to run track as a 30 year old, um, and did well, you know, he scored at the conference meet conference. USA has got pretty good track. So, um, and then the other, the one other person is my wife, but she's been working out with me. I've been writing her program since she was like 23. She's 43 now. So 20 years, I've been writing all of her programs, um, and now she trains with me. So, Goodness, now you got somebody to spot you there. And my gym doesn't help much, I mean, because I go to my gym in the town. I go to a gym in town, mm-hmm. and they have the weights. It's not free weights, and it kind of drives me nuts because I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I can't. I can't position my body the way I want to, yeah. you know. To, like on the machines and stuff? Yeah, on the machines, yeah. and it's, it's driving me <laughs> nuts, man. So I need to probably, in the future, I need to invest on my own gym. <laughs> uh, it definitely pays off, for, at least it has for me. So Yeah. Uh, now with, I'm not, I haven't invested in any, like, supplements or anything like that. I'm trying to get to take like protein naturally and you know all the mm-hmm. creatine uh you know other stuff naturally without without depending on on supplements uh is that something that people do or or this oh, yeah. this yeah. is this is uh, a uh, what I'm trying to get at but so this, are you asking like something like a nutritionist or are you talking about do people Try to go the more natural route versus the supplement route. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, like I said, I don't get into the, the supplement nutrition a lot. 
but I'm trying to think. I'm wanting to say there was a big thing that CrossFit, a lot of CrossFitters were doing, and I don't, I don't get involved with. I mean, I used to absolutely hate CrossFit. I, it's got, it's done some very good things for the fitness field. Um, but there was a diet. I think they called it the Paleo diet. That it was more built around natural foods and what our ancestors used to eat. Okay. And so, so no processed stuff. Supplements would obviously fall under processed food. So supplements in my mind, if they're following that strictly, they wouldn't have done the supplements, but I'm sure there's a lot of CrossFitters that use supplements. Um, so they also, they were, I think they were anti milk because their rationale was, and I don't, if, if I'm misstating this, then I apologize, but I know someone was anti-milk and I thought it was the paleo diet because their rationale was, well, no one ever chased down a cow to drink its milk. Like back, back in the cave, day. <laughs> caveman type yeah. days, you know, like, and so anything that wasn't natural. So like vegetables were natural eating meat, whether it was beef or pork or whatever that would be natural like if they're gonna chase if you're gonna chase down a cow you're gonna eat it you're not gonna chase down the cow and drink its milk yeah (laughs) so that was kind of they wanted to be as much natural as possible um and if you look at people that do crossfit and you look at their bodies nutrition plays a big part in how lean you are crossfitters typically are very lean so i'd say a lot of their stuff was probably pretty good now i don't get into and my wife has done this a lot. She'll find a diet like keto and she'll want to follow that. She even went vegan for a while, um, which vegan I wouldn't classify as one of those commercially type diets um, like keto or paleo and, or uh, the Atkins diet was really popular back in the early 2000s. Um, anytime it's a diet that makes money off of it, they're writing articles and selling books to make money. I don't like them uh, 90% of the time. I'm not saying there aren't good parts to it, but if you really look at nutrition, doing eating natural foods and having a balanced diet is more important than anything. Like that's what you want. You want to eat natural foods, have a balanced diet. You should be balanced between meat, vegetables, nuts, um, nuts and seeds and grains like you want a good mix of all that. So once again, it's kind of tough to find what are natural foods these days. <laughs> well, we put a lot of chemicals in just about everything. So <laughs> I know uh, you, you mentioned that you do plans for your wife, like workout plans. Mm-hmm. How many days a week you guys work out? We lift four days a week. And four then week. my goal is always to do two additional days of like cardio. I used to do lighter, like strongman stuff uh, in between on my off days, but it would be really light. So it was more to enhance recovery. It was kind of like my cardio. Um, But most of the time that doesn't happen for me. (laughs) That's kind of my goal (laughs) is to get out and do uh, two days, like Tuesdays and Thursdays to go out and do like a 30 to 45 minute walk. Um, But I'd say that hasn't happened in quite some time. 
out of out of those four days that you guys have your workout plans, like what types, like what type of workouts and what body parts do you work out? Okay, so I still train following the basic template that I did when I was competing. Um, Monday is going to be my heavy squat day, and so I don't really focus on body parts. And I'll explain that here in a second because I got a funny story about just happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I look at, I competed in powerlifting, squat, bench, and deadlift were my three things. Okay. That's what I had to be good at. So my workouts revolved around those. I didn't have necessarily an upper lower split or a, bo- a body part split where I did biceps one day, trice or arms one day, legs one day, uh, chest one day. I didn't do that stuff. Um, so Monday was my squat day and everything on that day was geared to make my squat better. Okay. Wednesday was my bench day. Everything on that day was geared to make my bench better. Friday was deadlift day. Okay. Same thing. Everything geared to make my deadlift better. Damn. Okay. Um, now the squat and deadlift are kind of interrelated. So some of that work would kind of carry over between days. Cause you're working your legs out, right? Legs back. And then, Wednesday or Sunday would be my fourth day. That'd be like a bench assistance day. So it would still be all geared to improve my bench. But a lot of times, not always, a lot of times I would focus on like incline or or an overhead press Hmm. on that day. And then everything after that geared to assist my bench. Because the military or the overhead press and the incline are going to help your bench. And then everything following that was assistance work for my bench. Um, so what happened yesterday was we had a really hard workout, uh, me and my wife, and we just started training together like in June of last year. And even though we've been married since almost 20 years <laughs> and we knew each other for a couple of years before we got married and I've been writing our workouts the whole time, we have never worked out together. Now we've worked out at the same time many times, um, but we'd be doing completely separate workouts. So all of a sudden we started training together and yesterday, uh, we're going through our my deadlift workout and we deadlift and then we front squatted cause I think front squat helps the deadlift. Um, and then we did pull-ups and then we did later we did upright rows. And when I'm looking at pull-ups, the lats, the engagement of the lats for pull-ups is similar to, in my mind, how you deadlift. The same thing with the traps. You, you want to have very a very strong upper back for your deadlift. That way you don't bend over as you start to come off the floor. So we did some upright rows. Well, my wife starts getting mad. She's like, this is supposed to be a lower body day. Why are we doing all this upper body stuff? I'm like, it's not a lower body day. It's a deadlift day. <laughs> <laughs> so she didn't like that. Um, it was a tough day. It was a tough day, and it was in the evening, and we were both tired. So it was lots of fun. <laughs> Coming from powerlifting, I followed a gym called Westside Barbell a lot, um, and they have that kind of squat and deadlift day, bench days. You know, um, bodybuilding goes a different way, where they're going to do the body parts. You know, you got your, you have a leg day, you have a chest day, you have a back day, um, or back chest and tries or back and buys. You know, they have days specific for those. Um, Weightlifting, actually, like the Olympic-style weightlifting, 
they do something completely different. They basically do the same stuff every single day. So they have, they'll emphasize their clean, but a clean uses the exact same muscle groups as the snatch. So they'll do cleans on Monday, come back on Tuesday and do snatches and a full workout to improve both of those. And then Wednesday, they might come in and do more clean work. And Thursday, they're going to come in and go back to the snatch. <laughs> so they're basically what people, I've seen people talk about, well, how do you train the same muscle groups two days in a row? Well, that's all weightlifting does. And you got guys putting well over 500 pounds above their head doing a clean and jerk. You know, or approaching 500 pounds, um, like high 400s, doing a snatch. Um, do you know what a snatch is? Yes. Okay. As the Imagine that you put your head, you real, got the bar and go real out wide, like and you that. go yeah <laughs> from the floor all the way to overhead in one movement. Um, imagine doing a snatch with over 400 pounds, or a clean with 500 pounds. And, ah man, and, I could never. And doing the training. Of course, you're not always going to have that much weight in your hands every workout, but the snatch is using the same muscle groups as the clean, except for when you receive the weight and then you got a lot of shoulder and, and triceps trying to support the weight overhead. But from the floor to your waist is the exact same muscle groups. It's the hamstrings, the quads, the calves, when you extend your ankles, your glutes, your low back, um, your lats, and your traps. So they train those muscle groups every single day they train. How hard is that on your body when you're training pretty much every day and don't have a rest day? How like Is that really hard on your body? It is, but your body gets used to it. So there's a gym out in, in Las Vegas. Um, LA Fitness? No. <laughs> LA, LA Fitness in Las Vegas. That's a good one. They're all over. <laughs> um, no, it's called uh, the Average Bros Gym. And they actually... Um, they actually got their name from that movie. Was it the Dodgeball movie? Yeah. Okay, and they called themselves the Average Bros. Uh -huh. Well, I guess the, the guy's last name that runs the gym is John Bros. His last name is spelled B-R-O-Z, but it's pronounced Bros. So he decided to use that name, Average Bros, and called it Jim. Anyway, uh -huh. they are extremely good at weightlifting, and they lift every single day. Like his philosophy is you go in, you lift as heavy as you can every single day. Wow. Every single day. So you're going to go as heavy as you can um, in a clean or a snatch, and you're going to go as heavy as you can in a squat. Basically max out every single day. Now, they have – it's not a strict rule. So it's not like they're going to a competition and maxing out. Yeah. They may get up to a certain point where their technique is really breaking down even though they're still getting the lifts and they shut it down there because at that point they're not doing themselves any good, but the, but they're still going heavy and they do that seven days a week. That's, that's their philosophy in lifting. And so when, if you listen to this stuff, this guy says a lot of times they don't just jump right into that. So like if you went there and said, I want to train with you, I want to be a world-class weightlifter or a national level weightlifter. Um, he would first he's going to teach you how to do stuff. He's not going to throw you in right off the bat to do in seven days a week. You may start out at three and then after a while you go up to four days a week. And then after a while you go up to five days a week and you just gradually increase to that level and your body will adjust. Um, there's another, this is really advanced, but if you look back in the seventies, maybe the eighties, the Bulgarians were extremely good at weightlifting. 
they lifted twice a day, six days a week, and once a day on the seventh day. I don't understand the rationale of only having one workout on the seventh day, but they lifted seven days a week. And so, goodness, yeah, now the downside to that is they had a lot of lifters break down. And so it was either you were extremely good or you were broken and you couldn't compete anymore. It was kind of like one of those things. It was either, it was either or. There was no in-between. Um, but the ones that, that made it, that didn't break, um, were like world champions. Man, so, I, I need to be unemployed so to be when, able to work out. So my point, my, some of my point in this is um, it kind of changes your mindset and it opens up your eyes because I tried to do that. And I did it in a more rational manner, progressing myself there. But I would go for three weeks and then I'd take a break and then I'd go for three more weeks like that. And I think it really opened my eyes up. Like, and it made me question all the stuff that we believe and all the stuff that we've that has been preached to us as far as lifting goes, whether it's in the schools or whether it's in through the, what you, maybe you see in the general fitness industry yeah, or what's popularized and we don't really have magazines like we used to, but on the internet or, or what you see on TV or whatever, um, some of the really hard training that's out there goes against all of that. And it opens your mind up, okay, should I be believing what everyone told me or is there more out there that I don't understand? And I think the more that I've learned about some of this stuff, the more I realize there's a whole lot out there that I don't know, you know. So, so you think you still got more to learn? Oh, yeah. There's there's always more to learn. Because you've been, you've been in it for almost, what, 20 30, plus years? 30, 30 years. 30 years. I started lifting in 93. Um that was the day that I showed up to the gym. Hey, shout out 93. <laughs> I was born in 93. <laughs> and then uh, I got into coaching in, in like 2001 or something and coached until 2018. I competed from, t- I think, 2000 to 2016. Um, and I still train like I'm competing. My numbers aren't the same. I hope I can get them back at some point. Um, I'm back to making progress now again, thankfully, but, oh, there's so much out there. There's so much out there to learn. Whenever you say competing, you were competing like what in, I was a competitive power lifter. So, uh, squat bench and deadlift. I did meets shoot all over. Um, they still have them, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause uh, when I was in high school, they always talked about the sunflower games in Topeka, Kansas. And I wanted to do that, yeah. but then I seen that these guys were way bigger than I was, and I was freshly out of high school, and I was like, man, I don't think I, I can be out there. And now I regret it. I should have, if I can go back, I think I yeah. would. I think uh, that's I what always out. stopped me at the start, but I just wanted to do it so bad. But I was always weak. I was always weak, and I was always small. So um, I was always hesitant to go to a new gym. Uh, because I was worried that everyone's going to be so much stronger than me. Uh, I was always hesitant to, um, I was hesitant to get into competing because I was like, well, I don't know when I should start because I'm really not as strong as everyone else. Um, and finally, I just kind of bit the bullet and went and did it and basically never looked back until I got done. 
And when I got done, I wasn't done. But that was the one thing that I've always, I wished I could have kept competing. I kind of felt like I had it taken away from me, but um, life happens, you know. And now so. you got your own home gym. You don't have to worry about no yeah. peasants out there just yep. staring at you and like, look at that guy, he's weak. <laughs> um, no, I mean, my mindset changed over time because as I got stronger, I started going to these. Most people don't last in powerlifting more than five years. You know, I did it for 15, 16 years. Um, how, come, how come those guys don't last no more than five years? A lot of it's, I don't know. Um, I think some of it is life gets in the way. That as they get older, they just have other, they have a family. They have bills to pay. They got, you know, and it gets hard to keep going to the gym. But when you really look at fitness in general, most people don't keep doing it for very long. Like they're just not committed to it. So, you know, New Year's resolutions, everyone makes a resolution. They're going to go to the gym. They go for a few weeks and they're done. You know, yeah. you, you got to be committed to it. You got to decide how much you really want it. Um, and over time, the point that I was getting to is that over time, when I went, first went in, I was one of the weakest. Well, I kept competing for 15, 16 years, and now I'm ahead of everyone. You know, and it wasn't that I was super strong. I was never a great power lifter, but all of a sudden I'm going to the meets and I'm, I'm outlifting people by, uh, 50 to a hundred pounds. And it wasn't that way when I started, but as I outlasted a lot of people, uh, going back to the, you know, financially people were like, can't go to the gym anymore and life mm -hmm. gets in the way. Do you need a gym? Do you need weights to build a good muscle tone or I think it probably depends some on the person. Uh, it's going to depend on your diet. But there's, I know there's people out there that their workout happens in the park because there's a bar they can do pull-ups, they can do push-ups, they can do lunges, you know, body weight. And some of those people actually look pretty good. Can you get stronger and bigger? No. No, with just your I mean, body weight? to a certain amount, because it depends on where you start from too. You know, if you're that real scrawny guy that's never worked out before – to a certain point, you're probably going to gain a little bit. Um, so, so like me. So it depends on what your goals really are. So, like, so if, if me, if I if I don't have a gym or anything like that and I start doing body uh, weight workouts, uh, my body would just be lean and not gain any muscle from it? It depends on your diet, too. It depends on the diet. Yeah. I'm not very good with diet. I think I me need to interview a <laughs> dietrician. I, nutritionist a nutritionist or a yeah. dietitian nutritionist yeah one. that way i can kind of get into that that deep i try to google some of this stuff man but but then i don't man i can't trust the info that pops up on google because you read like two or three articles on it and mm -hmm. it's like what i just got done reading something that said the it, exact opposite yeah the opposite mm -hmm. and i was like yeah the fitness industry is horrible um and there are some really good people out there uh that that really know what they're doing and then there's people that just it's all smoke and mirrors you know they look good so they're going to tell everyone that they know what they're doing and they really don't know very much and you also got to figure out what works for you uh for the most part if something's gonna if it works for if it's something that works for a good number of people it's probably going to work for everyone but there until you get to your highest levels uh most things are going to work for most people depending upon their goals and what they're trying to achieve. Now, when you start getting up to the highest levels, you really start having to individualize and say, okay, 
I don't get anything out of this exercise to carry over to what I want, you know? So, um, like I like to do for my triceps, I like to do a lot of skull crushers. Um, now for younger lifters, there are probably a lot of people will say, well, that bothers my elbows. Well, there's ways to work to where it doesn't bother your elbows. Hold it on the skull crushers. I got a question about that. <laughs> okay. Your elbows, are you supposed to put them in mm-hmm. your head or they got to be no, away you, from your head? You want them in more. I mean, I don't really try to squeeze all the way to my face or anything, uh, but you don't want them out. You want them to have them in. You want it to be a folding motion almost like this with your arms. Okay. Okay. Dumbbells would be more neutral. A bar would be here. Right. Okay. But yeah, you do want to keep them more with in. The, with the curl bar, right? You can do a curl bar. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about dumbbells? Dumbbells, you're going to turn your hands so they're more neutral. And then you'll take your dumbbell to your shoulder. Kind of like if you're doing hammer curls. Uh, yeah. Similar, yeah. 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 Now, I used to coach this. Say, you want a neutral grip, you want to take it to your shoulders. I had a football player one time hit himself in the face with a dumbbell, literally because he was not smart enough to hold him out a little bit wider. He held him right here super close, tried to come down right here to his shoulder. Like, I mean, and hit himself in the face. I don't understand why when he Goodness. sees it's coming at his face, he wouldn't move. Um, but, yeah, you want to have basically over your shoulder, keep your elbows in a neutral position. This is your neutral position. This is this would be supinated. This would be pronated or overhand. Um, this would be neutral. Okay. And you want to take them wide enough so you don't hit your face all the way to your shoulder and then back up. Your elbow should have minimal movement. Okay. And so you were talking about, what was this again? So this would be supinated or underhand. Supinated or underhand. Mm-hmm. Or underhand. This would be neutral. And then this would be pronated or overhand. Pronated. So this would be your grip on a bar. And you always want to keep your elbows You lock, still want to keep in? your elbows. Are your here. elbows going to be locked in? They're going to be locked at the start. And then you fold back. With a bar, you're going to bring it right to your forehead. Even your eyes is okay. Um, and then with dumbbells, you're going to go outside to your shoulders. And what not to do with your elbows? Like don't bring them out? Don't let them flare out to the side. Don't let them flare out to the side. Yeah, yeah that's kind of kind of hard. Uh, yeah, especially bigger guys, uh, if their flexibility is bad, anyone with bad flexibility, but especially bigger guys. And you, I'd put you getting into that bigger guy group. Um, they like to do this a lot. With their elbows even me this is this feels more comfortable right now for me um because my flexibility and i'm really tight from last night but my flexibility in my shoulders and my lats kind of force my elbows out so i have to kind of put make sure that they stay in like i have to focus on it and you you'll feel it you'll feel the workout right oh yeah you yeah should. yeah i know they say like if you do it the right way you're supposed to feel it you and if you're doing it right you're gonna be sore the next day I think that's something I failed with the three weeks that I kind of been hitting the gym. I do uh, legs on Saturdays, man, because I don't, you know, the work that we do, we always on yep. our legs. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be dying out there. Yeah. While <laughs> I, I did my leg workout, there's been times that I have, I have, not necessarily adjusted my days, but I have avoided doing things, or maybe not go as hard as things, because I'm like, I got to be able to move tomorrow. Yeah. I got to be able to deliver packages. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> so, definitely rough. That's what's paying the bills right now. So I need to uh, make sure I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I've been wanting to start a program. It's called 75 Hard. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I don't know much about it. Okay. Is it 75 days? It's 75 days. Uh, it consists of two workouts, one in the morning. Uh, yeah. Well, one in the morning, one at nighttime. One of those workouts has to be outside. 45 minutes, yeah. both workouts. Uh, you read 10 pages of a uh, uh, a book that is mm-hmm. educational. It does like if it's nonfiction, no, you can't. It doesn't right. work out. Uh, the other thing is to take a progress progress picture every day, and it's just like yeah, it's it's man. That, that one's kind of throwing <laughs> me because you don't see physical progress that in your body that fast. I know, I don't know, but the guy that created it. He gets mad because other people are tweaking it, mm-hmm. and he gets mad because like that's not that's not how it works out, you know. Uh, let me show you real quick. Let me type it in. I I know someone that did that actually. My my real estate agent, who is actually sort of a relative of mine, um, moved down to Florida, but her she's doing it with her or did it with her husband, and her husband would post pictures online on Facebook all the time about uh about what they were doing man see i wouldn't do that i like posting this whole shit on facebook like i would not do that man i like to stay private i post some things <laughs> but like i i'm not the person that's in there taking a picture every day to post on facebook yeah no or a video that, every day it's just for but, your personal yeah so now, you can see now when i'm getting to some of my heavier lifts or when i test my stuff or when i'm doing something new like i make some of my own equipment so when i make something that I'll usually put a picture of that. Yeah. Hey, I got to play with my new toy today or something like that. I've seen some of that. Um, so Okay, so here it is. Uh, you got to pick a diet, stick to the diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink a gallon of water every day. Mm-hmm. No cheap meal or alcohol for a full 75 days. So, I mean, you got to stay consistent. Uh, exercise twice a day, 45 minutes each time with at least one session happening outside. Uh, read. 10 pages of a book every day and take a progress picture every day. So I think that's just basic, like having a solid lifestyle, except for the progress pick. Basically. (laughs) But what I was trying to, I was reading you this because I want to get into that, man, because I hear a lot of people, you know, they lose on like 100 pounds, 50 pounds, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I'm just to the point where like, man, I want to throw myself in there. And I just need to find my balance between my family work and right. my my podcast, my yeah, my uh, the hell you call it? Not activities. Oh my gosh, I lost the damn word just because I was trying to focus on the importance. I think hobbies. I damn it. Okay. Yeah, like try, <laughs> trying to balance all those yeah. together. Oh, it's hard because I'm I'm a very huge, hard. I mean. And that's why I complain. I don't ever have time. Even when I'm doing preload, like, I don't have time. Yeah. Because, one, when I'm doing preload, I'm exhausted. Like, that's just am. I'm exhausted all the time. But I have so many outside interests that it's really hard to do everything. Like, one, I have work. You know what that is. Yeah. Um, and some days that's pretty long. And by the time you get done, you go home, you don't want to do anything else. That's why I'm a huge advocate of lifting in the morning or doing your workout in the morning. Um, 
on top of that, you know, I'm, I'm starting this YouTube channel. I did not foresee it taking up as much time as it does. Man, it takes a lot of time. Trying to, one, I have to come up with all the ideas. These full episodes, full-length episodes, which hopefully I'll get turned into a podcast. But that that takes planning, you know. And I'm I don't I want it to be unscripted. So if you watch some of them at uh, the start of my full episodes, I say unscripted, unedited, and um, raw, unscripted, and unedited. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my slogan. That's how I go about it. But still, if I don't have at least a few notes jotted down and have a plan in my head for what I'm going to go about, I will end up talking about something else or I'll just go completely blank. One of the two. So um, I have to kind of plan that out. Then it takes the time of actually doing it. You know, and some of these I'm actually going back and recapping my research that I've done in the past, looking back at that or pulling up new books that I haven't read before and looking up information. Um, So it takes a lot of time. And then, I collect coins, which is kind of like a side hobby, and I just spent like two days going through coins that I have not taken care of and trying <laughs> to get them all put away and filed the way I want them. Um, I love turtles, so I have uh, two turtles. Well, when you have to clean out an aquarium, that's oh, not that an, sucks. I have a 75-gallon aquarium and a 20-gallon aquarium. Damn. The 20 gallons easy to clean. The 75 takes forever. <laughs> so that's another thing. I love woodworking. Um, woodworking takes time. Like it's not, uh, especially if you're doing nicer projects, um, it takes a lot of time to make sure everything is right. Um, but even the, I mean, I, I spread my workouts, my lifting has crossed over into my woodworking. So I make some of my own equipment. Um, but that's still, I mean, it's, it's a huge time thing. Uh, what are some of the other things that I do? Uh, like to do gardening in the summer. It's all I, and then you just end up being spread so thin trying to figure out, figure things out, and it's hard to do. Yes, uh, yeah. but at it, at the end of the day, man, we got time. Yeah. I just, I just know, just, like, <laughs> what I, I mean, I started this podcast and and it took me a while to figure out what I wanted, like how I wanted to do my podcast, what what time. So I always pick it yeah. after 8 p.m. Right. I mean, right now, I have you meet me at a church because, yeah. I mean, if we were doing it in my house, my kids would be loud as heck. But it also took the time with my wife because I had a hard time, you know. I didn't let her know. I did not communicate it with her on when I was doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. And she would be like, oh, we got this going on. I can't do a <laughs> podcast, so I had to cancel. Yeah. But now I'm working more with her you know communicating with her i don't like to communicate very well uh we i tell her hey what's going on this date and she'd be like oh we don't we don't got nothing going on because you know we put our now we didn't used to do this but now we put everything on our calendar and she'll go back and check her calendar and be like no we don't got nothing to say okay and i'll be like okay well i'm gonna go ahead and put my a podcast for this for this day that mm-hmm. we will kind of know what we got going on. But, yeah, man, it's it's hard because I know, you know, the work that you and I do, and I've done it before. I know I, I know what you're talking about. You just want to come home and relax. Oh, yeah. But then I got to the point where I was like, 
damn, I need to do something. Like I need, yeah. to, I need to get to and motivated. I've kind of found the winters harder because when we get home, it's always dark out. Yeah. And when it's dark out, a lot of times I'm ready to shut down. Or in the summer, you know, I might come home, grab a snack or something. And it's really easy for me because it's still light out for another hour or two hours to go outside and start doing something, you know, work in the garden or go out and get in my shop and do some woodworking. Um, I don't know. That's just me. I just, I think when it's dark out, I'm ready to shut down. I'm the same way. And the last few days I drove a couple of weeks ago was, I was driving 10, 11 hours a day. So by <laughs> when you do those yeah. 11 hour days, you know, you're, I know you're tired at the end. You are dead. <laughs> That's why I accustom my body to go to sleep at 10. Cause you know, mm-hmm. we only allowed to drive past nine 30. Yeah. And I know that, 10 o'clock comes around, you know, it's my bedtime. So I know I can still get my 45-minute workout in because that's, that's what I'm doing right now. Another thing I was going to mention to you was the reason I wanted to get back into the gym and, you know, active and and get into a workout is for my kids, you know, so I can be active with them. I mean, my kids mm-hmm. are young. They're under – I got three kids. Yeah. They're under um, uh, seven. And funny thing about that is – you know how they say that you start doing things and people starting to notice and and it's kind of contagious, kind of like the positive things, you know? Yeah. Uh, within the two weeks and a half of me going to the gym, my daughter knew. She's six years old. She knew that I was going to the gym. And... Around that time, she said, Daddy, I want to go with you. <laughs> I was like, dang, I wish I, I can take you. We work out together and do all this stuff, you know. Yeah. And the other night, uh, last night, she asked me, Daddy, I just want to go on a walk. Can we go on a walk? And it was dark. <laughs> I was like, dang, it's pretty dark out there and it's cold. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can take you. Let's wait for when it gets warmer. We can be out there. You know, go walking for an hour, mm-hmm. go to the park they built in a new park in, in our town. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we might end up doing that, you know, like taking my 45-minute. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I end up doing this 75 hard, doing my 45-minute, yeah. taking them to the park. And it's, it's, it's good for both of you, just as relationship building, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also good for developing her um, – not necessarily physical abilities, but like developing a sense of being in shape or uh, the enjoyment of physical activity. Because I think everyone should be physically active. Heck yeah. But not everyone is and not everyone has that desire and I'm not going to criticize them for it. I'm just, I think everyone should have some sort of physical activity. Uh, You do whatever the hell you want with your body. I I guess in China, man, they take like breaks and they do like some type of body movement. Hmm. Like in school, yeah. And meanwhile, so, we got our lazy kids in here uh, in the U.S. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Then <laughs> uh, my da- my daughter used to when we were in Texas, she would come to the gym. Well, of course, I worked at the university, so um, she'd come in on Sundays with my wife, and um, we'd all just work there, work out there at the university, and we'd get her doing stuff like lifting weights and stuff. When um, she was in judo back then. And we left there when she was nine, and she quit doing physical activity until January of this year. She's 16 now. 
So seven years, like no physical activity other than what she had to do for PE. Damn. Um, and she's already quit. She just wanted to, she wanted to get in shape and, uh, and eat healthier. And she's basically already quit doing all that. But like, um, but I didn't have for the, when we started here, I was working so much at Missouri S and T coaching. Like she never saw me and she wasn't allowed at Missouri S and T. We weren't, I wasn't allowed to bring my wife and daughter in to get a workout in when I was at UTEP. They're like, yeah, that's cool. Bring her on in. Yeah. When I coached at VCU out in Virginia, it was the same way. Yeah. As long as you guys live here, bring them in. Damn. I'm getting a workout in. So, um, so she really kind of got pulled away from it. She really got into like the arts. So she loves anything. She loves photography. She loves, um, anything to do with art, music, really loves music, which I think is great that she likes all these things. But I mean, she's really gotten completely away from physical activity. So it's what's your daughter doing now? Like still doing photography and, and arts uh, and all that? I don't know if she's still in photography club or not. Uh, she's really in the band. Um, so she plays clarinet with their band. And then she also, she has two guitars. She's got an electric car guitar and an acoustic guitar. And she had her aunt bought the first guitar for her. And this was kind of during COVID. I think it was during COVID, or actually it might have been before COVID, and they did lessons online. So her and her cousin and her aunt and her uncle would all, it was all like a Zoom thing. Damn. The, the instructor was doing it online or, or through Zoom and teaching her how to play guitar, and then I think she's kind of worked with it on her own. Um, she needs to continue working on it, and she knows she does. I mean, she's like, yeah, I'm I, I don't really know how to play it yet. She does, and I think she just needs to let herself do it. But, but yeah, she's so she learned guitar basically online and and really enjoys it. So, so as far as you being a strength coach, mm-hmm. what what is your job exactly, and why'd you leave S and T to? Go work for UPS. <laughs> well, I didn't leave S&T to go work at UPS. Okay. Um, that just kind of ended up happening. So I'll start out with what my job is. It's what no one thinks it is. So nine times out of ten, when I'm talking to someone and say I used to be a strength coach, they're like, oh, well, I have this injury. Can you help me with it? Exactly, yeah. That is not what it is. Yeah. If an athlete comes to me with an injury, I send them to the athletic trainer most of the time. I mean, there's been a few times where I, I did work with the athlete and say, okay, it's really not a serious injury. I will help you out. My job was to work with the healthy athletes. Okay. I worked as far as preparing their bodies for their sport. So that involved the weight room, that involved speed and agility training, that involved conditioning, um, which is your more fatiguing type of running or activities. So uh, a big part of it and what everyone looks at us as that know about it is they think that we're all just about weights um but you also have to be fast you also have to change directions so we worked with them not just in the weight room but on the field or on the court as far as teaching them speed mechanics running mechanics agility mechanics basically teaching them how to do those things right and more efficient so that they could or jumping so that that would translate to the sport strength training is the foundation and we put a lot of stock into that but um, 
that's just part of what we did. And, and we really, as far as my, how I looked at my job in the weight room, number one was teach technique. Number two was get them strong, but keep, always keep in the forefront of your mind that strength wasn't the end all be all. So if I'm working with a soccer player, the end all be all is what she does on the soccer field. So I can't just say, yeah, I'm going to work you super hard. We're going to make you super strong. You'll be a better soccer athlete. It doesn't work that way because if it was, I would be a very good soccer player Mm -hmm. and I'm not, (laughs) not even close. Um, So strength is important, but we utilize strength to develop our other abilities to help us stay injury free. We utilize strength to help us get faster, to help us change directions, to be able to stop and change directions in the opposite way better. That we utilize strength to help us jump higher. Okay, so none of those things in and of themselves make you a good athlete, but they help develop the aspects of your sport um, from a physical perspective that allow you to to play better. Um, and an example of that is I worked with. There was two football players. I had one guy, he was easily 250 pounds, if not more, but had a 36-inch vertical. Um, I mean, just could jump higher than anyone. He was fast, too. But he never played more than special teams throughout his entire college career, and he really wasn't good that good at those. So he never had a chance at making it to the NFL. I mean, he, he tried, but... It wasn't going to happen. He just wasn't a good football player. Damn. And, yeah, he looked great in the weight room. He could run. He could jump. But he couldn't play football. So that's it's lifting weights and doing all these things doesn't necessarily make you a great football player. Um, had another guy who was smaller. He's the same way. Man, he was better than anyone at all that stuff they do in the combine, the 40, the uh, vertical jump. Uh, the 225 rep test on bench, he could do all that. He was His numbers would match probably anyone that went to the NFL or close to it. Couldn't play football. <laughs> so, um, and, and then there's, I mean, there's guys, Eric Tomlinson was a tight end. I'm not saying he was weak or he was slow or anything like that, but when you look at his numbers, he played for a few different NFL teams. When you looked at his numbers, as far as weight room numbers, they weren't that impressive, but yet he could play football and he ended up going to the NFL and playing, I don't know, like three or four years as a tight end and play, played for the Patriots. I think one of the years they won the Super Bowl. So it's the opposite. How in the world? Oh, it's not always. It's just, it's just, you can't take the weight room numbers and say, oh, this guy's a great, going to be a great football player. Building someone's squat or someone's clean doesn't automatically make them a better player. It's just used as assistance to help them get there. Um, So how did I go from – so that was my job, basically, to prepare athletes for their sport. You know, them being good had to do with genetics or how they handled playing their sport. Um, So how did I get from S&T to UPS? Um. So I'd say when I left UTEP, which was 2016, so probably like 2015, I was starting to kind of fade on the whole coaching thing. Um, I still love coaching, but there was so much else that went into it that I was frustrated with. Um, you have the politics of the coaches because 
a sport coach, a track coach might be unhappy with the workouts. I always had to deal with stuff like that. And I'm dealing with people that don't know much about what I do, but I'm working with their team. So it's like, okay, you're not my boss, but you are my boss type of thing because you're the coach of the team I'm working with. Right. And you're responsible for their performance on the track or on the soccer field or wherever that is. But you don't understand what I'm doing. So you're criticizing what I'm doing, even though what I'm doing is helping you. So, I mean, that was kind of, that was a very frustrating part of it. Um, I saw, I know this led right up to the end. I was, there was an incident out in New Jersey. I think it was in the high school. But this stuff was going on in my field. And I, I felt like it was almost like I was just so frustrated with the profession because of things like this. So it was an incident that happened in high school. And this coach had these kids, high school kids, carrying a log over their head as part of their strength and conditioning. Um, which I think is about the stupidest thing you could do because... High school kids aren't the most coordinated kids in the world, even even the athletes. <laughs> um, they're just not. If you compare a high school team to a Division One college team, there's no comparison. I mean, when you look at you look at 500 high school football players, probably two or three of them are going to go to play Division One football. Damn. Okay, the rest aren't going to cut it. And you might get a you might get another five to ten go play division two or division three, so most of them aren't going to make it. And they're having these kids carry a log overhead, and I'm sitting there thinking all the different things that could go wrong. Well, a kid died doing that because I don't know someone tripped or something and they dropped it, and I don't know if it fell on his neck or what, but Holy yeah, shit. he died. I'm sitting there. How do you explain that to their parents? Oh, dude. How do you explain that you had kids carrying a log overhead, which is not in any strength conditioning book that you can read? How do you explain that you did that in a professional manner and their kid died? I mean, it just, it killed me. And then all the things, I don't know if you remember this, it was in the news all the time on ESPN about rhabdo. Rhabdo, rhabdomyolysis, I think is how it's actually said. And it was stupidity. I mean, it was all just stupidity. I'm like, this is the quality of coaches that are in my field at the same level as me. And we're putting kids in the high school or in the hospital because we don't, we are not doing our jobs the way we should be doing our jobs. Holy shit. And so that I was looking at that. I was working a ton of hours. I was never seeing my family from the time I left work or I'd leave for work on Sunday afternoon my first year at ST I coached seven days a week seven days a week I was at work my second year actually my second semester I was like I drew a line and said I'm not going to work on Saturdays I'll work on Sundays because there's a need for me to be here on Sunday and I'll get here when I get here so I, I would get in between somewhere between 12 and two o'clock usually I would show up to work my first workout was at three o'clock and I'd have workouts throughout the evening um from the time I left to go to work on Sunday, I would not see my daughter again until Friday night. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, most of Friday, I would not see my daughter. 
I'd only see my wife if she stayed up late enough for when I came home from work um, for me to see her. And there was a lot of times when I came home, she was already in bed. And I was just done. That's rough. I mean, and those were all things that were going through my head. It wasn't just the hours. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. It was frustrations with the profession. It was frustrations with our governing body as far as strength conditioning went. Frustrations with the NCAA. Frustrations with the schools for not staffing, which you know what that's like. They don't provide enough staffing. Um, uh, How we acted as strength coaches. Like if you saw how coaches act at games, like we're acting like we're little kids. And that's fine. You can celebrate with the team, but you shouldn't be a complete foolish idiot when you're doing it, you know? And I'm seeing this like lack of professionalism. And I just saw like, there's no hope for this. And then high school kid dies, had 10 kids from, oh, where was it? Was it Oregon? It was was a Pac-10 school. Well, Back then it was Pac-10s and they're Pac-12 now and they're about not to be a conference anymore. But, um, like, they had so many kids put in the hospital because a coach was implementing these stupid workouts. And and part of that, there was other issues that went in with that, but all the press stuff focused on the weight room. Yeah. And I was like, there's just, like, no hope. And I'm not seeing my kid in a field that I don't have hope for anymore. So... And I wanted, at the same time, I was I started reading this stuff about how to generate wealth, and kind of started following some of that as far as investments, and and I was just like, I'd rather set myself up so I don't have to work and do this long days like this. So, from a financial perspective, on a life perspective, where I want to be is to get out of this whole system of having to work. 9, 10, 11 hours a day. And in the end was I walked away and found my opportunity. I walked away. I actually did construction for two years um, to build up some of my skills and, and knowledge in that area. And then ended up going to UPS when COVID hit because I needed some income. And I <laughs> didn't have any at the time. My construction company, not my construction company, but our company was kind of shut down. And I needed some income. So I went to UPS. That's so. <clears throat> It's crazy that you were spending that much time at at a college. How come you were not just doing your normal seven to three work or eight to five kind of work and doing all this? Because kids are in classes during that time. So I can't have workouts. So I have start workouts at six in the morning. And between I usually I have a, a, a workout that started at eight. Sometimes I'd have another one started at nine. But really, once you get past like 8.30, everyone's in class until pretty much like 2 o'clock. Now, you can still have some groups in there, uh, but it's hard to get entire teams. Well, then from 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock, I've got hour, basically back-to-back, hour after hour of coaching. And so if I wouldn't have been so – I'm very organized yeah. and very – um. I have to have everything my way, not necessarily in a selfish way, but that's how I feel comfortable working. So I would take, put a lot of time in during that time when I didn't have teams, which is the middle of the day into preparing for those teams into preparing the workouts, making sure everything was right and everything was good to go, um, before the team got there. 
And so the amount, so let's say I, I worked 70 hours in a week, uh, basically 35 hours of that would be coaching on the floor, in the weight room, or wherever I needed to be coaching. The other 35 hours would be in my office preparing, you know, making sure everything was right on the computer. So when I printed the workouts out and had them ready, that they were 100% correct. So, and there, there, there are coaches out there that could have done my job in less time. There, there are, um, but they have a different philosophy. They have a different, um, method of going about them. They have a different mindset. So for me to do what they did would have been very difficult and probably caused a lot more stress on me than just simply working the 70 hours or 80 hours or whatever I worked on any given week. Do you feel like if, do you feel if the administration was more organized, they, or if it's possible, it's got to be possible, man. Something's got to be, something could have been done about your situation. Have two sessions, one in the morning, one at night, and have all the athletes meet up because that's that's with 400 athletes oh goodness and you no, were, you, you were the only one managing that many yeah. people so there was probably like 400 450 athletes at missouri s and i didn't work with all of them i worked with the highly majority of them so i probably worked with around 350 of them i didn't work with track and field except for the throwers i did work with the throwers and i worked with the distance runners oddly i did not work with the sprints and jumps um i didn't work with swimming and I didn't work with men's soccer. I worked with, oh, and I didn't work with golf. But golf was a new team. Like they brought <laughs> oh it in. Gosh. That was kind of a funny issue. <laughs> but um, that was a new team. So they didn't even have a team my first year at S&T. The second year they had a team. Um, but I worked with everyone else. So I was working with baseball, softball, women's soccer, uh, both basketballs, football, which is a job in itself. Just because that's three groups a day. That's three teams, essentially, that you work out That's today just terrible. for football. Because football's got around 100 athletes on the team. Um, oh, what team? I know I'm missing some teams right now. Um, rugby? They have rugby in there? No. No, they do. Because it's only the collegiate sports. So okay, all the okay. intramural sports or club sports, I didn't work with. So, Was the pay worth it? No. Oh man! But I never cared about the pay when I was coaching, right? Because I was you had, making, you had a passion. You had a passion. So for I'll that tell you what I was making at S and T. I was making forty one thousand a year. You making more now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made a. I think you coached one of my friends, Josh Loden. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He. I coached. Uh, you remember Lane Jennings? Yes. I coached him. I coached... Uh, Nick. Nick. Uh, my oh, goodness. I think I know who you're talking about, too. Bigger guy, Nick he, Wonderly. I want, I wonder. He worked with he worked at UPS as well. Oh, no. I don't think that would have been him. You mean the supervisor? Yeah. No, I didn't work with him. Oh, you didn't work with him? Okay, because no. I know he was an S&T. Uh, you worked with um, Lom- Lamar? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Lamar Wilkes. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, Tershawn Wharton. Do you know him? No, he plays for the Chiefs now. Oh, damn, for real? Yep. Oh, so he crazy. he came in as a freshman, uh, my first year there, and I that was when I first got there, and I came from UTEP, which is Division One, 
and we had a very hard-nosed mentality. Uh, S&T does not have that mentality. <laughs> so uh, it working with him was interesting because he had a different sort of personality. And I blew up on him in one of his first – it might have been his first workout. It was very early on. So he didn't really know what – training at the college level was like he definitely didn't know what training at division one with the division one attitude that out of the program that i came with was like and he just didn't do things the way i wanted didn't communicate the way i wanted i absolutely blew up on him and he didn't talk to me for about two months i think he didn't talk didn't say a word i would try to talk to him be like hey you need to do this this whatever Mm -hmm. i mean did not say a word and then all of a sudden one day Things just kind of clicked, and he stayed after the workout probably 10 or 15 minutes asking me questions and just talking, and he's one of the, he was an extremely hard worker, um, physically developed faster than anyone else I'd ever seen, second to uh, probably Aaron Jones, who's a Green Bay, running back for the Green Bay Packers. I worked with him at UTEP. Um, those two, their physical development, how fast they developed with the weights and how quickly they adjusted to the things um it's no wonder that he made it to the nfl and that's not a lot of division two players make it to the nfl but he did and he was he was phenomenal just in just in how he went about things but it was it was a process our first few months together were pretty rough so he's he is a great kid man if if you would have a professional team Come ask you to work with them. I'd say no. You say no? Yeah. I had no desire to work at the NFL, uh, any professional team at all. And what's odd about that is I think NFL strength coaches have a better um, job security than a lot of college strength coaches. And I think it's the oddest thing ever. But I've, I know coaches. I used to know. He doesn't work for him anymore. He worked with the uh, – he was the head strength coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, his name was Mark Uyama. I think he was there through like three different head coaches. That never happens at the college level. Never. The, a new football coach comes in, they replace the strength coach. I'd say 85 to 90% of the time. New football coach comes in, he fires the old strength coach and brings his own guy in. Um, but yeah, there's. it seems that Buddy Morris coaches, I don't know him personally, Um I don't know if he's still there, but he was at the Arizona Cardinals, I think, through a few different coaches. And it just seems like it happens more often in the NFL. But, yeah, I have no desire to be at the professional level. Um, Even if the numbers look good on your payroll? <laughs> oh, yeah, those guys make probably three or $400,000 a year. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't have the desire to work there. Um, I never coached at the college level for the money. Uh, I coached because I loved coaching and I loved working with the athletes. The only thing that would pull me back to coaching now is if I had some guys. I might work with like a, a athlete. I wouldn't work with just a, a casual person. Um, but maybe if an athlete was really serious and they had a chance to go into college, um, like a high school athlete, they had a chance to go into the college level to play. But what really... If I wanted to work with someone, it would be another lifter, yeah, uh, like a power lifter or a weight lifter or a strong man uh, that wants to compete, not necessarily at a high level, 
but at a high level for them. Right. You know, that's serious about their training. Uh, they're not going to miss workouts. They're committed. They're willing to do just about anything to get stronger. Um, those are the type of athletes or type of lifters that I would want to work with. Um, and that's probably all the only thing I would do. And that does not pay well <laughs> at all. Unfortunately. Yeah. What, what about like a little side gig, you know, do open up like a little shop in town or something like that? Would you be... Would that be in your interest? If I could own, if owning a gym, but I would only work at it if I could work with athletes like I just described. Yeah. Like a, a high school athlete that had a chance at going to the college level uh, or further, or a college athlete maybe coming home that wants to either prepare for college or to continue to go on after college, or those lifters that are serious. And then I just let everyone else run the rest of the gym. Yeah. I just hire employees to do that. Okay. So if I if I thought that was a possibility, yeah, that would be something I would I would look at. But that's crazy. You got so much knowledge, man, on on this. And that's that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, that's really my goal right now is just to get out the knowledge and and help others through that aspect. Um that's what the whole YouTube channel is. Um, I might start, I got a couple articles that I wrote a while back that I'm probably going to try to get published again. So, um, but we'll see. Now, um, what is the earliest a, anybody can, can lift like at earliest age? How heavy is the backpack that your six year old carries, wears to school? I want to say about good five to ten pounds. Okay, so having her lift ten pound dumbbells that would be the a sin uh, because it's. Uh, I mean, that's our mentality. I have a problem with is that we don't let kids lift weights, but we put a backpack on them and make them carry that to school. And some of these, especially when they get up to like middle school and high school, they're carrying pretty heavy backpacks. Thirty to forty pounds. <laughs> yeah, like that's a lot of books they put in that bag. Um, or we'll have them do stuff that involves strength but then we won't let them lift weights i just think our culture is so afraid of of weights because it's different and they really don't understand it it's really if you're doing Damn. things correctly it's pretty safe and the fact that it's safer to, <clears throat> for that six-year-old to play to lift weights teach her to do it correctly obviously than it is for her to go out and play soccer there's more far more risk for her getting hurt playing soccer than there is lifting weights now that you put it in that perspective, oh my goodness, yeah, that is true. But yet Wait, our society and our culture thinks it's the opposite. They think so playing soccer crazy. is safe and, yeah. and lifting weights is dangerous. I'm glad she didn't get into soccer because we did put it on soccer <laughs> and she didn't like it. But I, I mean, if she, yeah, if she liked it though, I'd, I'd definitely have her do it. I, I wish my daughter played sports. She just, she's more into the art. art How old is your daughter? Sports. She's 16 now. Okay. Um, but she's more into band and and playing music and which i think is great yeah that's still cool yeah but yeah i mean i even got that because my cousin so my my little cousin he's my second cousin uh plays football he's pretty good he's out in republic missouri and i think he's good enough that he's going to have a chance to go to college to Mm -hmm. play but he tore his ACL this last year. Damn. Well, his dad, who is my cousin, starts asking me questions about it. He's like, well, I think he did this uh, lifting weights. I'm like, no, he didn't tear his ACL lifting weights. And I, I hate having that conversation with people, but I'm like, lifting does not tear your body apart. Playing football tears your body apart. It's 
horrible on your body. Talk to football players when they're done playing, after they went through a college career or after they went through an NFL career, and, and ask them what their body feels like. Um, he tore his ACL playing football, not lifting weights. We know he tore it playing football. He goes, well, I think with the bad technique, I was like, well, if it's bad technique, that could definitely lead to something, but that's not... Um, even then with bad technique, I mean, it'd have to be really bad <laughs> to yes. actually tear your ACL, uh, lifting weights. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, that, that's kind of the mentality that a lot of people have that lifting weights causes all the problems. And certainly there are coaches out there that do not do their job as far as coaching technique. And that can definitely lead to problems, but lifting weights is not the problem. It's not as dangerous as what everyone wants to make it out to be. I need to give me a home gym. Yeah. Invite my kids in. Start, my, start out small. I'm going to have my three-year-old son. I yeah, probably man. wouldn't. And the thing, <laughs> the thing is, and I've never really seriously looked into how to train kids, but things that I would not do with kids, I wouldn't have them lifting maximal weights. Of course. Just lift some weights. Yeah. Just grab something and move it. <laughs> you know? Um, I would teach technique for sure. You know, the earlier you can teach it, the better they can learn it and the better they'll be at it. Um, but I also wouldn't do a lot of things that are very fatiguing. So things that put you in a lactic state. So things that, you know, that burn that you get when you do a high rep set that's really hard and you start to feel your muscles really burn. Yeah. I would not make kids do that because the lactate that's generated in your body would be counterproductive to them. And I don't know all the details on this. I'm just repeating something that I read a long time ago that basically would be, um, no, it just slipped out of my head, but that's something I would just, I would try to avoid. I would try to just basically teach the fundamentals with kids. You know, when they get older, when they get into high school, you can start pushing them more. When they get into college, you can push them pretty hard. Um, but, but lifting weights in and of itself isn't that. I mean, shoot, you got a 30-pound dog and your kid walks over and tries to pick up the dog. They're probably not doing with anywhere close to good technique. And no one says a word. Shoot, my three-year-old picking up the trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, for somebody out there that is trying to work out, trying to get into the gym that's never done it, and they are trying to do the right techniques, they're trying to do the good body motions, what is their best resource out there? Um, I read when I was growing up kind of in that situation because my, honestly, my high school coaches didn't really teach a ton of technique. They just said, this is how you do it. Go do it. And we just did what they told us to do. Um, it wasn't like they were coaching details of any lifts or anything. But what I found is my resource was there was a magazine out called muscular development, which changed. I don't even think it's a magazine anymore, but, um, I found stuff in that as well as I found some books um, and I started, they just had, because we didn't have access to internet when I was back then. Yeah. I mean, the internet was barely a thing. So now you can look stuff up and find videos and, and have people break down every aspect of technique. But uh, back then I had to get it off of pictures and understand what they said in a paragraph or whatever about that exercise. And sometimes I got it wrong, but I think that was that was what was big for me as far as learning. So now, what are the resources? Um, 
I'd still say there's a ton on YouTube that you can find, but I can't name like this is the best place to go to learn technique. Elite FTS has a YouTube channel. Um, they're an equipment company, but they put out a lot of information. But I don't know that their information is as easy to find as it used to be. But they used to have a ton of good stuff, exercises. They'd have a 10-minute video just on one exercise explaining technique. And that stuff is still out there. It's just not as much as it used to be. Now it's all like, oh, hey, um, I want to learn how to do this workout. And then they give you a bunch of apps. that, And those apps. That's growing. Have, it's a big thing now. Yeah, you have to pay for them. And sometimes you don't even get the right things. Yeah, and I'm like, damn. There's, there's so much information out there right now that's free. Why would you want to pay for this stuff? Yeah. Like, that's my honest opinion. Like, don't go to all these pay sites. Don't buy all these apps. Because, I mean, like I said earlier, 90% of the people that start are going to quit. So when you put all your money into that, you're just throwing the money away. So start out with the free stuff. When you get more advanced, when you've been doing it for a few years, and you're like, hey, I want, this sounds like it could really help me out. But you've been consistent for a few years already. Now it's time to invest in some of those things, those resources that you have to pay for. Uh, but I don't have a problem with paying for a book. Um, there's a lot of good books out there that describe stuff. Uh, videos, you know, you find a video that that really breaks down technique. Um, it's those things used to be out there, but they're they're getting a lot harder to find now. Um, EliteFTS.com is something that I think they've always put out good information. They used to it used to be a lot better. It's kind of got thinned out as far as instructional information so now a lot of the things that i look on there is like um more for high level lifters you know more of the philosophical based stuff um i'm trying to think i can't think of any specific i know mike Isratel has a youtube channel i don't think he really gets into a ton of technique though yeah but he's got a youtube channel that has some it's geared more along the lines of anyone could understand it and use it. But, and it's more bodybuilding oriented, which is probably where most people fall as far as what they're interested in. Um, but yeah, right now I can't think of anything that really is just a good source for technique type information. Who do you think? Has more not more knowledge when it comes to lifting weights. Our generation or people back in the 60s, 70s? Our generation. Yeah, the generation now because there's so much more knowledge readily available. I mean, if you go back to the 60s and 70s, um, hardly anyone was doing it. That was a very, like, subculture. Like, I mean, it was not... Because everybody was skinny back in the day. They didn't care about... It wasn't as nearly as big of a thing. Like that's yeah. CrossFit has really changed the culture of lifting weights in America. And so now there's a lot more people. It was growing up until CrossFit. When CrossFit came out, and I was reading about CrossFit before CrossFit was CrossFit. Okay. They had just came out and I was reading about some of that stuff. And a few years later, all of a sudden, I mean, they had those sponsors like Reebok and Rogue, and they just exploded. And that was like the thing. Everyone had to say, I do, I do CrossFit. 
Like, that's what everyone wanted to say. I'm like, I don't care if you do CrossFit. I'm a competitive powerlifter. I'm stronger than you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was my kind of my immature way of, of come, coming back at that. But it really opened the door for a lot of people to enter into the fitness realm and enter into strength training. It made it, it became a lot more acceptable, I think, because of CrossFit and a lot more widespread. Um, and the result of that has been more information is getting put out through the internet, through YouTube, through yeah. podcasts, through, I mean, there's just a, ebooks. Ebooks were really popular there for a little while with this stuff. Um, so the entire culture has changed. And, the result of that is more information is out there. The uh, you're talking about the CrossFit, and I just look it up. And CrossFit was founded in the year 2000 by Greg Glassman and mm-hmm. Lauren Janai. Yeah, it gained popularity over the years, especially in the fitness community, and became a significant fitness phenomenon. The CrossFit Games, which started in 2007. And see, I, I started reading about them in like 05 or 06. Dang. And there was a kid named not a kid. There was a guy named Casey Bergner. He was a really good, pretty good weightlifter here in the U.S. And he was doing, or at least his family kind of was big into weightlifting. He was doing the CrossFit workouts at that time. And that's where I kind of discovered it. No one knew what CrossFit was. And then I went out to UTEP in 07. And it was like 08 or 09. All of a sudden, CrossFit just started erupting. And I mean, it when it got big, it got big fast. So, yeah, that's <laughs> holy shit. Do you do you think when we're in our seventies and eighties, we'll still we'll still be able to lift? Or or how do you, what do you see when we when we get old? You can continue lifting until you're old. There's no problem with that. Um, the thing is, though, I don't lift to stay in shape. For me, what personally, do you lift for? if you lift to stay in shape, you might be able to lift till you're 80 or till you're dead. I don't know. But for me, I lift to be as strong as I possibly can. I lift to lift the biggest weights I can lift. Um, that's all I care about. I care about is being as strong as I can possibly be. So that causes a lot of stress on the body, you know, and there's like this morning, just getting out of bed was pretty rough. Um, where if you're just lifting to be in shape, you really shouldn't feel like that very often. I feel like that a lot. I mean, my body just doesn't want to work, um, because it's about, it's about maximal weights to me. That's, that's the only thing I care about. So I'm not at the level that I used to be at. Hopefully I'll get there again, but, um, are you saying I should change the way I think about this then? I don't know how you think about it. I don't know, man. I I think I'm just... (laughs) trying to work out to just to, to I, be active. I think if I mean think about it. if you take a professional athlete how many 40 50 year old professional athletes do you see out there playing baseball playing basketball playing football damn okay there's a reason yeah. why it tears their bodies apart so if you're trying to perform at a high level for a long period of time it's going to have an effect on your body sports is not about health Sports is about performance. That's how I look at my lifting. Okay, so I'm still training like I did when I was a competitive powerlifter. I'm still trying to lift 
the absolute most amount of weight that I, my body can handle, regardless of if I'm in pain or not. Um, so that takes its toll, and my body can only, anyone's body can only handle so much. Okay, so if you want to have a nice, feel-good, healthy lifestyle, then you're going to take a more moderate approach to your workouts. It doesn't mean you can't do things that are hard and that get your blood flowing and or have days that you lift very heavy. You just go in and like, I want to lift the most amount of weight I can lift today for one rep for squat or for bench. It doesn't mean you can't ever do that, but you're not going to do it all the time. Right. Okay. So that's a different mindset between like me and you. Because I'm, I'm thinking you're probably closer to that mindset where you're more of a moderate approach. I want to feel good. I want to... Um, I want to work out with my six-year-old daughter. <laughs> I want to um, enjoy my workouts. I want to enjoy how I feel because of my workouts, where my workouts are geared to taking things to the limit and developing absolute amount of mass, most amount of strength that I can possibly develop. I've noticed with me going back into the gym, at work, I'm feeling more energetic mm-hmm. than before, man. I was feeling like real droggy and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, my feet hurt. I want to <laughs> do this. But now, man, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting after it and I feel energetic after I get off of work. I feel energetic. Also, I mean, I eat two times a day. and eat. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not good, but I just try not to. I don't know. I get too busy with working, and I just don't even think about stopping and eating. I guess that's my thing. I think about stopping and eating, and I think I have all these stops left. I'll just keep you on. I'll do a few more. Oh <laughs> uh, wait, it's already four o'clock, and I haven't eaten yet. No, I'll just finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's how. I mean, that's how. I am, but it's I really think. not a good approach. Like. A healthy approach would be eating frequently throughout the day. Like how many hours would you say a day? Like is is it true that every two if you eat like something small every two hours is two to three hours, yeah. Two to three that's hours. that's a pretty good it, it helps your metabolism stay higher. I, my metabolism is shot. Um it does help your metabolism stay higher. It helps uh your you probably process your food, your body processes your food a little bit better because instead of getting a whole bunch of food at one time, it's more spread out. So it can digest it better, and I'm not a nutritionist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, nutrition I know. Guy. And, no, it also, and it also no. depends on on what you eat within those yeah. those hours. Oh, yeah, right? You yeah. can't go out there and eat a bunch of Twinkies or no. cupcakes or anything. No, <laughs> no. Um, and I've seen it all broken down: six meals a day, and and some of the meals. I remember when that stuff first started coming out. Uh, some of the meals were like, okay, you're gonna have a granola bar and a banana, and that's gonna be called a meal. So they would have like breakfast, a snack, but they called it a meal, granola bar and a banana and maybe something good to drink. And then you'd have lunch and then you'd have a snack and then dinner and then another snack and then you go to bed. But your snacks were healthy, you know, an apple. Uh, but the and then the that allowed your bigger meals not to be quite as big because you're getting calories in between. 
and it spread. So instead of having these spikes throughout the day where you have your big meal, you have a spike and then you kind of come down. Now it allows you to stay at a higher level throughout the day instead of like that. Does that make sense? Yes. I need to talk to a nutritionist. Oh yeah. They have a lot of it, a lot of knowledge. You happen to know anybody? No. Huh? I, I knew a nutritionist. I didn't like her. <laughs> Check it out. If you're a nutritionist out there, send me a message. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> Dang. Um, man, we've been going for about an hour yeah. and 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, man, there's so many questions that I need to ask you, man. But Maybe we should do another episode yes, sometime. Yes, I'd like to have you back and have another conversation. For the meantime, yeah. I'm going to hit the gym again and... <laughs> And keep hitting the gym, and then if I got more questions, yeah. but then I can bring you back. Uh, so tell my listeners about your YouTube page where they can find you. Okay. Um, so YouTube page is Ironwood Strength. Um, it's Iron Dash Wood Strength. Uh, I run full episodes that I'm hoping to get turned into a podcast at some point. Uh, those are longer about an hour, usually 45 minutes to a little over an hour probably is what the length of those are. And then there's also a lot of shorter ones that run anywhere from 20 minutes all the way down to just like two or three minutes. And so if you just want to hit something quick, a lot of those are easier to, to pick up on versus the other ones are kind of like lectures. But uh, that's it, iron-wood strength. Um, and then I also, I haven't, there are quite a bit of articles that I have on EliteFTS.com, uh, and I'm probably going to be sending some more in pretty soon. So that's another place that they can kind of check out my information. And since you were talking about starting your podcast, man, I brought this mic for you so you can start your your podcast and <laughs> I try to help you out, man. Listen, man, because I already told you once. I don't. I try listening to. You on YouTube, but I run out of out of service, and I'm like, "Damn, come on! I'm trying to I'm trying to get get the information on what he's saying." But you need to jump on Spotify so people can listen to you. So I got you that mic. I don't even know how to use a mic. Man, help! I'll help you out. <laughs> Trust me. You know, Trevor gave me that mic when I first told him, "Hey, I want to start I want to start a podcast," and he was like, "Jumped the gun and was like, sure, what do you need?'" I was like, "Well, I need a mic." I need to know how to how to work it, and he taught me how to pretty much how to hook it up. I mean, it's a USB mic, and if you need my help, man, I will help you. I'm not gonna be like these podcasters that I reach out to, and they have like at least 200 or 300 listeners, and they think they were all big. And I asked them for some, um. So I asked them questions about starting a podcast, you know. Hey, man, give me give me some tips. Give me some pointers. What do I need to do, man? They ignore me. <laughs> but, nah, man, I'm here to help you. We got to get this rolling, I man. appreciate it. Some of us will listen to your show, man. You got people uh, at our work that listen to my show. And they, they'll they listen to you, man. And you got to find people that will listen. I mean, you, already, you got a Facebook page. You just got to link it out there and. And trust me, I got you, man. I will help you. Um, one other thing. Okay, it is your job to end the show. So you can end it with 
pretty much whatever you want to say. It can be something inspirational, uh, a good quote that you live by, anything you like to say. Man, you threw that one out of nowhere. <laughs> I'd like to do that. Uh, it, it defeats the purpose if I don't. Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> I, I'll give you a, a quote. And I don't, I'm not a big quote person. I don't really don't like quotes because I think they're useless. Um, so I've got, this one is one, and I don't know if I can do it correctly, but it was Michael Jordan. And he, he was talking about, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase his quote, because uh, this one probably means more to me than, than anything. And he talked about how many times he had failed. And, and we all know Michael Jordan's huge success, right? Yes. I, I'm not going to get into him, LeBron James goat discussion <laughs> but i think he is he was absolutely fabulous and uh as a businessman as an athlete as a person and i'm sure he's got his shortcomings that people can point out but um just his overall mentality i really like admired a lot of things about him and his quote is he talked about how many times he had failed you know and but because of all the times that he had failed that's why he succeeded and so that's something that I think I kind of carried with me. I've failed over and over as a coach. I failed over and over as a lifter. And because of those things, because I learned from those things, that's why I got to be as good as a coach as I was. Um, and it's why I got to be as good of a lifter as I was. Um, and it's why I just kind of persevere. It's why I persevered. Um, so I think I just, I just relate to that quote a lot. I don't know if that quote made me do those things but i relate to it and i understand it so but yeah something like along the lines i've missed x amount of shots i've missed x amount of free throws i right. missed x amount of game winning shots but because of those things is why i succeed there's something along those lines <laughs>